Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Okay, Dr. Michelle, I think we are live. How's it going? Hi, how are you? Doing great. And thanks for being here first off. You know, I'm really excited to talk to you because like as I was saying before we started recording, what I've read about you, you have a lot going on. You wear a lot of different hats, correct? Have you always been that way? Yes. (laughs) It's funny because um, I was just talking to somebody and um, I'm going to be like in a social situation. And I always cringe because people say, what do you do? And I sit there and I'm like, do I really tell everything? <laughs> does it look like um like showing off or like right? Or is it gonna and sometimes it could overwhelm people too. Sure. And sometimes it induces insecurity, I have to say, right? <laughs> so I really walk a fine line sometimes and I have to really think about how I wanna like, you know, show myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you shouldn't. I mean, I get that because that people are I mean, I'm generally speaking, of course quick to judge now right and that and that's a good point that you brought about being insecure like because when people start to you know put off their or label off their titles i guess people are just like oh well i haven't done anything with my life you know maybe i shouldn't even be in the same room as this person Mm. and you know and i don't know if that's just nature Mm -hmm. or if that's just imposter syndrome or whatever you want to say because you know, there's, there's, and speaking of imposter syndrome, I mean, I get a couple of things like that, you know, with my CrossFit competitions and stuff like it creeps up on me that, oh man, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't even be here doing this right now, you know, and that might be a bad analogy, but yeah, but I get what you're saying that like you want to kind of. Well, cause I am so passionate about everything that I do. Sure. So literally when I talk about it, 
you could like feel the passion in my body. Like, I'm just like, you know, when I talk about it, there's like so much. So it could be like, I always worry that I'm a little too much for some people and I am too much for some people and that's okay. Like, I don't, I don't apologize for it. Like I'm okay with that. Yeah. Now I am totally comfortable with that. And, you know, I know like I'm not for everybody and everyone's not for me. That's life, right? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And that's what a lot of people need to accept because a lot of people feel that they should be, you know, everybody wants everybody to like them. And I get that. But it's just like you said, it's, it's human nature. Not everybody's going to like everybody. Well, when people, when people are anxious about that, it's really interesting. I I say to them, like when when I'm in session with somebody, because, you know, a lot of people have social insecurity and totally makes sense. Right. And I'll say to them, do you like everybody? Do you really like everybody? Do you have judgments about others? Uh. Yeah. I go, oh, so how does this work? Like, you don't have to like everybody, but everyone needs to like you. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. (laughs) You know, uh, I watched your TED Talk and I think you even... uh... You crowned yourself as the anxiety lady, or people yes. call you that. Is that yes. what is that what yeah. it was? Yes. Is, is that just because of your background and? I deal with so many, you know, clients that I work with that yeah. have anxiety. It's it's just something that I've I really love working with anxious people. Mm. Yeah, I do. It's it's definitely a specialty of mine, but I enjoy, I actually really enjoy it only because I feel like the tools and skills that I teach them you know, and the psychoeducation that I give to them around, around our thinking is is so enlightening and so helpful. And I have, I have to tell you, I've seen the most incredible transformations in people that are mind blowing, mind blowing, you know, and I, and I've seen a lot of, I see a lot of like teens and young adults and I, I've seen them over a period of years. So I really saw their, them through their development and I'm just like an amazed at where they've gone to because of just being accepting of themselves, you know, bringing them to a place of understanding themselves better and accepting themselves and, you know, having self-compassion and working towards empowering themselves, which is everything my book is about. <laughs> um, but the thing, the places that people could go if they believe in themselves is like off the charts, really. You know, I got a lot of thoughts that I want to ask or questions that I want to ask. I don't hope I don't mess them up. But uh, the first one, I guess, you know, with working with anxiety Uh patients, and I know you, I think you see people of all ages, correct? I do. I don't tend at least now to see young, young kids, but I would say about like, you know, middle school and up. But I guess, you know, first, I mean, in the modern world today, I mean, are we seeing more cases of anxiety compared to? Oh, yeah. Previous years, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Well, particularly with COVID. Ooh. Yeah. Particularly with COVID. You know, it's interesting because people who are anxious or especially socially anxious appreciated COVID. (laughs) Because they didn't have to. Oh, because they didn't have to go out. It allowed them to avoid. It was like a perfect storm. Are you kidding? They loved it. Yeah. Loved it. (laughs) And for those who tend to be more social, you know, and extroverted, it was really, really painfully difficult for them. Which makes a lot of sense if you think about it. It does. Yeah, I never even thought about it like that, but it does make purpose. Well, and if you think about those who are socially anxious that appreciated COVID, guess what happened now Uh-oh. when all of a sudden, right, all the restrictions uh-huh. are lifted, guess what comes back? It all came back. And like, like, and a banshee, right? Because 
they were allowed to avoid, avoid, avoid. And now all of a sudden, boom, right? Like they're thrown into this situation where they have to really be up and center with their anxiety. And it's really challenging. Plus, if you, you know, just there was so much going on in terms of like financially for families and and otherwise. So it really wreaked marriages falling apart. I mean, I could go on and on, right? Like uh, substance use and abuse and deaths because of substance abuse skyrocketed. I read that. Depression. um, And so like I, I saw astronomical levels of anxiety in kids, especially. Yeah, really astronomical. You know, because, you know, kids are pretty sheltered, but like now in today's day and age, and I don't know how old you are, but like growing up, I didn't have to worry about like pandemics and like school yeah. sh- and school shootings and like, like all these, uh, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a young 36. So uh, that. um yeah. I'm, a, I'm a lot older. So <laughs> it's OK. I would have never guessed that, but I thought we were pretty close. But um God bless you. <laughs> But no, I mean, I agree because, you know, growing up that, you know, with 9-11 here just a few days ago, I mean, we were having a conversation with my family, just like, hey, do you even remember? Is that thing? Yeah. Remember where you were at? And everyone always remembers where they're at, you know, the same way with, I guess, the JFK assassination and then MLK and stuff like that. But, yeah. um, but yeah, there for a while, I mean, somebody, there was a meme out there. It's just, hey, can we just stop living every month with a new historical event? Like, can we just calm down for a little bit? But yeah, growing up, it was just... And I came from a very rural area and there was nothing, anything, yeah. you know, like to stop the world or stop you from living how your life was, you know? So I couldn't imagine what it was like even being born during quarantine and the life, like where you have to, you mm-hmm. know, even your first, you know, I work in higher education. Well, I do for a couple more weeks anyway. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, for all, taking classes, not in the traditional sense, you know, all um. College students, do you know how many, again, this was like, this was really, I, I would have to say really wasn't a lot. I mean, often in the social media, but I, I teach at NYU and I also see a lot of college students, you know, re- remotely, a lot of them. And do you know how many suicides there were in colleges? No. Oh, tremendous. Tremendous. Yeah. People don't know about it. I was getting the emails, you know, because they send to faculty emails about what's going on. Sure. You know, we're talking about right more internally. There was so much going on. You can't even imagine. I remember I had I had a patient that I was seeing one night. I'll never forget this. And she 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 sent me like remotely pictures. There was two students that committed suicide in the same evening. And, you know, they made these memorial, obviously, you know, kind of um, and it was just like out of control in all the schools across the board. You know, there was a lot, a lot of depression, you know, and I also, I, like I said, that I teach, I was going, you know, first I was doing it remotely. And then I was, which again, is such a different experience. And then I was going into class, but with a mask. Mm. And I have to tell you, I preferred to do it remotely because I could see, I, I couldn't remember, like I'm, I'm a very visual person. Sure. Do you know that by the end of the semester, I knew nobody's name? I don't doubt it. Because I couldn't see their face. Right. I didn't feel a connection to my students. And I, I teach a mindfulness class and we do like really intense ex- experiential exercises. Yeah. The connection was missing. It was awful. Yeah. Well, not even that. This It's hard to read people's like you just said faces and that, you know, what is, a lot of what you're saying is nonverbal anyway. That's right. the percentages. And then, you know, like. Yeah. What, what are you doing behind a mask? Are you smiling? Are you mad at me for what I just said? You know, yeah. yeah. But, you know, and it's you know, I, I don't want this to be on like a COVID no, no. soapbox, but <laughs> I mean, but no, but I mean, it's good because you know, just like what you just said with suicides, I would have never, 
you know, I knew about the substance abuse going up and drugs going up and then gun sales went up, but I didn't know suicides went up, but it, bad rates were up as well. And, you know, and I'm very, yeah, that's right. They did go up too. Yeah. But I'm very, I guess, blessed or fortunate, whatever you want to say, just because for the pandemic or quarantine for me, it was just literally go wear a face mask. And I could, I was still able to go to my gym, still go to work mm-hmm. and just go put on a face mask if I went to the grocery store. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I remember thinking that, you know, with all the information that we have today, as far as podcasts and movies and news and TVs, like, you know, how fortunate I was compared to, you know, people in New York city who were like quarantined in their one yeah. room bedrooms or yeah. apartments yeah. or whatever you want to say. And they weren't, they weren't, you know, life came to a halt, like literally for them. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And I can imagine what that would be like looking at, and like, I try to put myself in and see other people viewpoints in their shoes, I guess. Hopefully, hopefully I said that right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So anxiety in general, the, there's such a high prevalence of anxiety. It's one of, again, when we talk about mental health disorders, right? It is, is again, it's the top leading mental health disorder. Um, there's all different types of anxiety disorders and it's so prevalent. And the reason for that, which makes a lot of sense, is because there's so much working against us that puts us in a position of being anxious. And I'm talking about social, culturally, like in, in every realm that you could think of the way that our brain is structured. Sure cognitively and neurologically I could go on and on so you know like the book this new book that I wrote is is predicated like a lot of it is dedicated to understanding like what the barriers are Mm. you know just because of the way we live and the way we function and the way we're wired and on and on and on that we're innately kind of set up in some ways to fail yeah yeah I mean you know depending on if you look at it in this standpoint, just with in higher education or mm-hmm. that the social norm or narrative that, you know, growing up that for me, it was anyway, you know, go to school, get as much education as you can, you know, you'll be successful, live out your life and then you're done. But, you know, that always life, you know, throws you curveballs and it always doesn't work like that way. So if you don't meet these certain standards or whatever, obviously, depending on who your parents are, like you said, the environment you're growing up in mm-hmm. that. I could see the stress it was causing. I mean, I remember there was an article that came out. I think it was uh, in San Francisco that, you know, kids were jumping off the bridge just because they were not meeting up to their standards of their parents or something. And I probably butchered that really bad, but it was something to that nature. Yeah. Wow. I just couldn't imagine the pressure that's put on people at those ages right now. It's. If you think about it too, we're judged by performance. Sure. Yeah if we're not productive and we're not succeeding, you know, and, and performing mm-hmm. judged as being lazy or unmotivated or whatever you want to call it. Right. Like we're always in, you know, we're always moving and grooving. Right. Like, like the idea of like, like I said, the mindfulness, the idea of just like kind of being still and being present and pausing, like that's just not in our culture. Sure. That's not in our culture. And I get it, it, it differs obviously from different parts of the country, I think, of course. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I'm from New York. So um, and we're very fast paced. And like oh, you go and when you go out of New York, people always are like, You're from New York, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> they know, they know. They could like smell you from like outside the country, just because of our our nature, you know, and, and we're always we're and, and our brain is always wired to like protect mm-hmm. right? and to eliminate any kind of discomfort yeah. so we're always trying to do like what's comfortable sure right? yeah and to and to repeat some of that so it puts us in a position of like this you know 
you know, toxic positivity and happiness trap and whatever you want to call it. We're constantly, constantly like, you know, putting ourselves in this doom and our, and our brain is kind of wired that way, which is what the Ted talk was about. Yeah. Right. Like we're always constantly in this space of emotional avoidance. Yeah. That's one of the things that I was thinking about while, uh, you know, watching that video of yours that, you know, you're expected to be at a, you know, like, Hey, you're going to work and I'm at a 10 all day and that, you know, life is great. Nothing's hurting or bothering me. And then like, you know, if, you were to say something different other than, you know, when you're walking down the hall and, you know, what are the, ever say, Hey, how's it going? You're supposed to say either fine or great. Right. But if you say anything like having a shitty day, you know, people are like, wait, what? They don't know how to react. And then you're just like, you know, wanting to express actually how you feel rather than hide it behind your, yeah. if you want to say you're wearing a mask. Yeah. I'll, you know, I'll give you such a great example. I just, right before I got on this, you know, podcast, I was on, you know, I was having a session with a teenager who very, very unexpectedly and tragically lost her father. Mm. He like had a massive heart attack. Again, so unexpected, which is horrible, right? Can't get worse than that. But again, speaking to what we're we're saying, you know, and again, this is very raw for her. And she's not a very emotive, like expressive kid, right? And it just so happens that her father, which is again, very untraditional, but her father was a stay-at-home dad and her mother you know, was the one who was like working the long hours and whatever. And now the dad was the one who died, you know, which is, you know, even like, again, in terms of the loss, right? Yeah. But you know, what came up, which was so interesting. I asked her, like, does she get support? You know, does she talk to her friends? Does her friends talk to her about it? And what it came down to is they don't know what to say to me. I don't know what to say to them. I don't want to, again, she, she called it, you know, uh, trauma dumping, which is a big terminology. Now people talk about trauma dumping. Trauma dumping. Yeah. Yeah. I've been hearing that so much lately. Yeah. And she even said it. I was like, gosh, you teenagers know about this. It's so fascinating. Wait, wait, so, so what is it? It's basically like, like dumping your trauma on somebody. Yeah. Like spilling out your like venting or something. Yeah. But, but, it, but it's done in a way where, you know, like an inappropriate way where you're almost like, like too much information. Okay. Where you're either making the person uncomfortable or, you know, or yeah. It's it, like really heavy stuff. And the, yes, okay. Yes, like really heavy stuff. Got you. So she's like, I'm not going to trauma dump, you know? Um, and I said, well, maybe we could look at this a little bit differently. So I said, what would happen? Right. What would happen if you actually did? Because there's one way of looking at it, like you're trauma dumping, you're actually imposing on somebody. I said, but can it also be a connection that you're forging in a relationship? Mm. Because the person gets to know you better. The person understands their innermost, your innermost thoughts and feelings. Right. Um, Yeah. There's a real connection that gets forged when you're sharing. You know, it's not just trauma dumping. Right. So then I said, what would happen if you actually did share? What, what would happen? Yeah. How would the person see you? How would they view you? And she said, they would pity me. And I said, that's an interesting word. I agree. I said, what, what is pity? Is pity a negative word, a positive? Like, what is that? She's like, it's really negative. I said, hmm, there's also another word to think about. What about compassion and empathy? Mm. So I said, I said, is that a positive or a negative word? She goes, That's actually positive. I said, do you know the difference? And we were talking about the difference between the two. Okay. And then I I, I gave her a dialogue, right? Like if it were to be in reverse, right? And she didn't have the words because that she said, what are people going to say to me? What am I going to say back to them? And I said, well, here's how it goes, right? You know what? I know, I know that this happened and I don't know what to say to you. 
like I'm at a loss for words because I really care about you and I want to be there to comfort you or say the right thing. And I just don't know what that is. Sure. And I don't know. Yeah. I'm that person. You know, when somebody comes to lay out heavy stuff on me that, you know, I want to be there. Let's just like you said, but also that I I never know what to say. You know, I never know what to do. You know, and I've never had training. I never had anything to even just be like, damn, that sucks, bro. You know, and I don't want to be that person. I just don't want to say that because. Like when you said you being empathetic to a person, I see that as possible because I'm trying to relate and try to help them out as much as possible. Because I, you know, I feel good about trying to help people. Yeah, yeah but it's just like I don't want to say it makes me weird. I just, just like I, I just like. I, well, I, so that that's what she said. She's like, I don't know. So I said, well, what would you say? You know, what would you say back to the person? And you would say, you know what? Thank you so much for reaching out to me. Yeah. You know, right now I'm in a lot of pain and I don't know what I need and I don't know how you can help me. But if, if it comes a point in time where that's clear to me and I want to share, I know you just gave me a space and an opening so that I could do that. And I really thank you for that. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's forging again. It's not having the right answers. It's forging the relationship. And I said, would you consider what I just, the dialogue I just had, is that pitiful? Or is that compassionate? And she's like, no, that's really compassionate. I said, yeah. And I said to her at the end of our conversation, I said, I said, I want you to know something. I don't pity you. I'm compassionate towards you. I feel really deep compassion towards your pain. And, you know, and again, that was my way of forging the relationship. Sure. Because that's her fear. Her fear is that she's going to be pitied. And what does pity mean to her is that she's going to be treated differently. Mm. Right? And I said to her, that makes sense. You know why? Because you're a teenager and a teenager doesn't want to stand out in the crowd. They want to blend. They want to go with the trends. They want to be with the in crowd, right? They want to be like part of the cool group, whatever it is. <laughs> I said, it's not until adulthood, like when you reach adulthood where you're like, I want to be unique, right? I want to be individual, my individual self, right? That's when it's really cool to be unique and different, right? But not as a kid. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I don't know what it's like being a kid nowadays, but yeah, I mean, I remember being that way that, you know, with the trends and stuff that you wanted to be, like you just said, like you just said it very well, like you wanted to be the cool kid in class, right? But, you know, but it was one of those things that also that is, I don't want to say it was very narrow or fixed minded, but, you know, able to have a conversation like that with one-on-one, like a really deep compassion. I, I think, well, I know that I really never had those growing up. You know, it was maybe it was one of those things that if you were at, maybe, I hope this is not oversharing, but you know, I never really felt like I had those deep, like, Hey, how are you feeling? And why are you feeling this way? Even with my family, you know, it, I think it was one of those things that, you know, like, why are you feeling that way? Then, well, don't do that. Then it was just, or, or don't think and feel that way. Right. Yeah. And just move on. Yeah. And it's like, well, well I'm feeling this way for a reason. I mean, you know, can we at least say something about it or, you know, like, it just didn't come up, I guess, right? Well, Chris, I hate to break the news to you, but that's how parents typically are. And it's not their fault. It's we don't we don't have the language. We don't we don't teach. I mean, mm. you know, one of the things that I always say, right, because like because like, again, my the pillars of my book is on acceptance, compassion and empowerment. We never learn those skills like sure. like the kind of conversation that I just described to you. Nobody teaches you that. Sure. When I, I mean, same thing growing up when I was upset or frustrated or whatever, nobody said to me, 
you're not a frustrated little girl. Like, uh, why are you acting so frustrated? What's going on for you, sweetie? You know, they were just like, stop doing that. Exactly. And of course, like, I know that I felt, I could speak for myself. I felt so invalidated. Like I felt not seen, mm. you know, I just, and, and when I was upset and I couldn't stop the beat, you know, stop the emotions. Cause I'm an emotive person, as you could tell, right. I'm a deeply emotional person. Guess what? There's something wrong with me. Like, why am I making my parents annoyed with me? And on and on. So that's just self-deprecating. And then I just saw myself as like, right, not enough or not good enough or whatever it is. It's such a vicious cycle. We And we all find ourselves in that. So like learning these skills and learning those tools and having those conversations are like so important. Yeah. I mean, there's no manual, I guess, for being a parent. And I'm, you know, I mean, no. to their defense, I mean, I'm sure they, you know, had a great childhood. I mean, I'm not saying anything right. bad about it, but they did the best they could, but Again, it was little things like that, that mm-hmm. even now, like with you, just the way you saying that, like I would probably, I mean, I'm a, you know, I don't have any kids. I'm single. I got two dogs, but, um, you know, I would never know to think about like, I don't know how I would be as a parent, but you know, that's the reason I like having these conversations. Cause hopefully that stays in the back of my head that it, when, and if that happens that, you know, we can actually say, Hey, let's talk about it then. You know, right. I have four, I have four kids. Well, nice. <laughs> and three dogs. <laughs> well, you're you're extremely busy then. <laughs> wow, I could speak from experience. <laughs> but you know, going back though, you know, is most of what you're seeing in your patients, like as far as trauma and anxiety, mm-hmm. is that mainly coming from childhood, or is that you know maybe genetically there for whatever reason? That's a that's a really good question. That's a good question. Thank you. Yeah, and I have to say it varies from person to person. Uh, case by yeah, case. It really does. I think, you know, it's funny cuz we say the word trauma and we use that very loosely and I think there's a lot of misconceptions about it. Mm-hmm. Cuz there's little T's and big T's. You know, I think trauma is relative. Like okay. in other words, like what I might consider trauma, you may not consider a trauma, right? Okay. And what seems like a trauma to you may not seem like a trauma to me. Mm -hmm. So it really has to do with your own experience with it. Like, did it impact on your functioning? Did it lead to deep emotional pain? Did it impact on the trajectory of your life in some fundamental way? Did it affect, is it affecting your relationships? Because that's where it tends to like trickle into relationships. Yeah. Right. Um, So there's, there's so many ways that it manifests itself. So there's, there's like single incident trauma, which means like something that happens, like this, this young girl who like her father, like she was talking to me and I said to her, you don't seem like the kind of kid who readily shared your thoughts and feelings before. So she goes, yeah, there was nothing for me to share really. So I said, yeah, you kind of like you're into sports, you do well academically, nothing, you know, it seems like, of course, there's always social like drama in school, but like nothing you weren't bullied or anything huge. You know what I mean? I was like, it wasn't a lot to share. Yeah. You just kind of went about your day and like talked about with your friends and, you know, socialize and that was it. Right. But like now you have this going on and this is something like tremendous. Right. But this is a single incident trauma. Do you know what I mean? Like she never had any trauma before in her childhood. Yeah. So if somebody gets into like a really massive car accident, that's a single incident trauma. There's certain things that happen and like pivot on people's lives that are like more single incident. So I work with people who have single incident. I have, and I also have something called cumulative trauma. 
which is trauma over a period of like extensive period of time, which makes sense. Yeah. And often you see that with childhood trauma Mm. um, where somebody was like abused or neglected or, you know, other things. That just kept going over. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. over all throughout their life yeah yeah and again you know people also compare like what's worse and better you know but like i i have to say that um you know whether it's neglect abuse you know all these things affect you yeah yeah so no, i agree i mean you know every, like you said i case by case that makes perfect sense just because everyone has their own life journey and different childhoods and the environments they grow up in and, uh-huh. and there's little things that always stick out you know and like, you know i've recently learned about i think Somebody called it micro trauma. And I never heard that term before, before oh. doing these. And it was just like, you know, one time I got left at Disney World. I mean, they didn't mean to do that, but I still remember that. From, was that a trauma? I don't think so. But I could see how somebody else would say that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I, I don't really know where I was going with that point, but that yeah. but we, have, we have flashbacks sometimes. There we go. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. And we, and we get triggered and we get, we get triggered. We yeah, get triggered. Say. Yeah. yeah. Cause I know for myself, uh, like there are certain things that trigger me so much and I know directly where that hits for me. You know, I could totally identify like what it's hitting for me in the moment, mm. you know, and sometimes it's so triggering that I'll get activated. Right. And I won't be my best self. Sure. Right. And that happens to all of us. Right. And then there are other times that I catch it. I'm like, Ooh, that was like, Ugh. you know, I need, I need to really like center myself and ground myself. Cause this is not going to go in a good direction. Yeah. Is yeah, it easy no. for people to identify those or is it just kind of uh So yes, triggers, you know, part of our triggers could be, you know, it could be anything, you know, that activates us, but it's yeah. an activation. So we get triggered in our in our um nervous system. Okay. Right, in our bodies. Okay. And often we could like we could kind of have a rapid heart rate, or we could have like a racing mind, right? Or we could have like things happen to us when we're in that kind of like flight or fight response. Yeah, like sweaty palms or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like like I said, there's so many different ways it manifests itself. And then also it happens not only with like I said in our body, but it also happens in our mind, right? Where we could get we could catastrophize things, or we could. Um, like I said, our mind races, or we could um, become very fearful, mm. right? Or we could feel very threatened, yeah, right? Like somebody could do something, and instead of saying, "Oh, you know, they had a hard time putting away the dishes because they were rushing out the door," they don't care about me because they know that I get really upset when they don't put the dishes away, mm. right? We kind of just slip into that place. That makes sense. So when you had these and these triggers or whatever. I mean, is there a way, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you're, you can never be a hundred percent 
cured or healed from it all. But, you know, is it there a way that it gets mm-hmm. better through your future? I mean, just talking with like people like yourself and. Oh, yeah, that's that's what I, that's what I do all day long. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I would think that eventually yes. that, you know, again, like going back on childhood and, you know, trying to talk about our feelings and, you know, if something really did happen, it was kind of like you stuff it down here in your stomach and you just never speak about it. But then randomly, you know, I don't know, like. A, a disc breaks and all, you know, you go all to pieces and go all to hell and yeah. it comes out. It's like, cause you just stuffed all that stuff down there rather than trying to actually work on these thoughts, feelings, moods, whatever you want to say, experiences and get them out. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, you know what you're talking about. It's like disproportionate, right? Mm. Like, like your emotions and the way that you're acting out is disproportionate to what happens to evoke such a like strong, That's- intense reaction. Okay. Yeah. So when that happens, it's a clue. It's actually a cue, right? Like when, when I'm getting like so activated and it's a little bit disproportionate to what happened, I have to say to myself, like, what is that? That's not this, this is something else. Yeah. There's another reason that you really feel this is like totally tapping into something for me. Like what that person said to me is not enough to activate me in the way that I'm getting activated right now. Mm -hmm. So the awareness is so important. You know, and when I say the awareness, it's what you're thinking, your thoughts. Okay. It's how you're feeling and it's what's going on in your body and what your impulse is, what you want to be doing about it. Okay. Cause we have impulses. I want to punch the person in the face, <laughs> right? I want to, whatever the case is. Right. Yeah. And we get a, cho- we have a choice on how we want to behave. We don't have a choice in how we think and feel, but we do have a choice. I know you're going to be like, Yes, I know. Yeah, I saw oh, yeah, that. Yeah, well, a question popped in my head, but keep going. Yeah. Well, well, people always argue with me about this. Just so okay. you know, it's a big, it's a huge little. <laughs> Wait, about like we don't control what we think and feel. Yes. Yes. And if and everything that I'm saying is actually counter to what you're taught. So I just want to say that too. Okay. Okay, because we're taught that we could transform our thoughts and feelings. And I'm not saying that it can't lead to transformation if you make changes and if you have a different mindset and if you train your mind to take a pause and all the things that we do in order to help ourselves, mm-hmm. that inevitably could help, you know, it could lower the volume. I call it lowering the volume, but you still can control it. You can't control it, you know, and what people get caught up in is they have thoughts about their thoughts and then they have thoughts about their feelings and they have feelings about the feelings and they have feelings about the thoughts. And I could go on and on and on and on. Right. Okay. One of the things I said to this girl, and you may say to me, oh, why did you say that? Right. And I said it in a very, very compassionate, like thoughtful way is I said, I just want to let you know, and this was like a little psychoeducation. I want to let you know that when sometimes when there's deaths or people, or we lose people, there's a lot of guilt that comes up with that. And a lot of shame. And, and I said to her, you know, I was once working with somebody, I was once working with a man and one of his children died and he was riddled with shame. And you know what he said to me? He said, why that kid? Mm. Why that kid? And you know what he was really saying, right? Which he admitted in our session is that sometimes he says to himself, like that was his like prized child, like the child that was like successful and good looking and good in sports and like so uh, yeah and, and the child that he felt most connected to 
And there was this thought, like, why did it have to be him? Why couldn't it have been some, some, you know, like one of the other kids? And he was so shameful that he even had that thought, you know? And I, right. And and like, this is what I'm saying. He couldn't help it. That's just a thought. It doesn't mean anything. Right. And uh, so I said to her, like, the reason I'm telling you this is, is, you know, you had a real connection to your dad. Your dad was a stay-at-home dad, et cetera. Like, and I know your relationship with your mom because you shared that with me. It's not a farce to like say, oh gosh, why did it have to be him? You know? And like, I kind of wish it was her, you know? And I'm, and I said, you might not have had that thought at all for that matter, but I'm saying if you did, that's okay too. Cause I wanted her to know whether she, you know, cause if she, in case she does, like, I want her to know that that's okay. And that she's not a bad person because she had, like a mean thought. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. I, I get it specific. Well, not specifically, but I, that when you put it that way, like, you know, in movies and stuff that I've watched or whatever that, you know, of course the, you know, I can't relate to it personally, but yeah, in that sense, you always see like the kid that, you know, who exactly like you described the A plus student captain of the whatever team and stuff. And then something bad happens. And it was like, you know, the guy looks up to God and it's like, why, you know, why did you take him and not the other one? And, yeah. and but and that makes perfect sense because it's one of those environmental factors that, you know, when you were talking about, you know, you can't control what you think and feel that I guess that never really happens until or you never think that until it actually something to that scenario happens. And then you're like, oh, shit. Well, not necessarily. Oh, not necessarily, because we all have very irrational, mean spirited, aggressive thoughts and feelings at times. Right. You, don't, you you don't? No, I agree. I agree with that. I do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I, do. I, I, I sometimes think, I sometimes think I want to punch somebody in the face. I know that. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm, admitting, I'm admitting it. <laughs> you know what? I, when I when I when I um, when I'm in my mindfulness class, you know, one of the things I say to my students all the time, I'm go, I say to them, did, did you know? And again, it's New York, right? I said, did you ever have like a thought like you wanted to push somebody over the train tracks, you know, or like? be in the middle of a family dinner and scream out loud. Right. And like totally scream and slick curse or something. And they all like giggle and they look at me and they're all like, you know, right. Um, right. Well, you're and, not supposed to say that out loud. Right. So that's, that's where you're it. Yeah. what I say to them. There's a difference between the person who thinks it and the person who acts out on it. Mm. All, all thoughts and feelings are okay. They're all okay. And that's a, that's a big, big, big load. When, when I, when I express that to somebody, like I could tell you, I could see that that is so comforting to hear that they don't have to be riddled with these guilt and, you know, thoughts around their thoughts and feelings, because our thoughts and feelings could be very mean spirited. And just because just you have a mean thought doesn't mean you're a mean person. Sure. Just because you have an envious thought doesn't mean you're a jealous person. You know, we, we do, we, we leap, we leap, we kind of say that, you know, and, and a way to prove that to you, okay, is this is like such a fascinating thing. I, when I ask people to like, think about like, you know, the most horrendous, horrible, painful thing that ever happened to them and to kind of bring up that painful feeling, people could readily tap into that to some extent, you know, they can remember what that felt like. You know, but if I ask them to tap into the most joyful, like exciting thing, you can't readily tap into that feeling. You can't. And that's because we have we have a negativity bias and we also our memories hold on to negativity and pain. 
That's what our bodies, that's how we're equipped. Why? Because of a protective mechanism. Ah, that makes sense. That's right. Ah. Right. But that's why that's why those memories come up for you, by the way. Yeah. Now there's I guess that's a great point because it's so easy when you know now that I'm thinking about it, that all the the more negative ones or painful ones come up first more than me actually sitting here like you know, when I was talking about Disney World, that's the first thing I remember. Hey, I got lost. You know, and I remember being I was five years old, crying, my eyes out, ecstatic and yeah. Cause like the whole it was one of those things like, you know, not to change the subject, but my parents were so worried about losing me there because, you know, I like to, I was a little kid just running around and everything. And they're like, hey, if you don't stay with us, you're going to get captured. Somebody's going to take you. And then, you know, I got lost. I was like, oh, no, I'm gone, like forever. Yes. Yeah. Great point. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm glad you said that thoughts and feelings are okay. And just, and again, this might switch gears here a little bit, but, you know, I follow a couple of comedians on their podcast and listen to them talk and stuff. And although they go through a lot of, a different, I don't want to say trauma, but a lot of different thoughts and feelings. And, you know, they talk about depression and things like that. And one of them things like, you know, she was uh, talking about how this one comedian that, um, you know, she suffers from depression, so to speak. And that, you know, a lot of people like to say that they're depressed just because they had a bad day and they're like, or something didn't go right. Right. You know, like somebody cut them off in traffic or they got their order wrong. Like, oh, you know, life is so, you know, terrible. And like, but it's like, no, you don't. And then she was her point was that you well you don't really know what depression is is that i have these thoughts and feelings where i'm just driving down the road and it's kind of like i just want to kill myself or something like that or i hope a car hits me exactly yeah something just random and like you know completely like how we were saying like you should never say out loud because you did say out that loud you know people like we need to go see somebody but there's Mm -hmm. something wrong with you and that is like it just you know and like when i start talking and get on here i kind of always and i've said this a couple times i always seem to think like things are okay. Right. Like, you know, hey, just stop doing whatever you're doing. You know, if it's, you think it's bad then just stop doing it, you know, but it's, it's really not that easy. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And like, and I, and I, and I was really naive and I forgot that like how, and I have a really friend who opened up to me about an addiction problem and that, you know, when we were talking, I was kind of like, just, just don't do that anymore then dude. It's easy. Right. But it's not. And I was like, and I tried to put myself in his shoes after we got done talking. It's like, you know, yeah, his brain just is, wired differently than mine that's exactly right right and you you said that you're very involved in fitness oh yeah 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 that's my thing when i'm not the full time yeah Yeah. and and i i am too i mean yeah i I am too and i've been working out for over 30 years but um you know you know i i consider myself and you probably do like i'm a very disciplined person right i have to be yeah yeah and i'm a very regimented person and usually if you're very consistent with your exercise and health etc you tend to be like more type a discipline routine you know type yep. of person yep so you know people also they always say to me like how do you do that like they they don't you know cuz i'm like i don't really digress like when i go to a restaurant like i will pick apart my meal like and i'll say does it have this does it have this could i have a you know substitution of this and this and you know like it's a yeah. joke they make fun of me, you know, but, um, and I do that every time. I don't do it just sometimes. <laughs> right. And I, I say to them like this, you know, but not everyone's, but they go, how come it's so hard for me? Like, why, why is it that you could keep up with that behavior? Right. And for me, it's like, I do it for two weeks and then like, there's no consistency. No, it's what you're saying. You know, it's, we're all wired differently. Mm. And sometimes our brain and our minds can be so 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 self-defeating because it rationalizes and it avoids right and it justifies and 
I could talk about all the things that our mind does, but it does it to a different extent and a different level for different people. So, you know, if you have a very like avoidant, like say mind, right? And there's a reason for that. You weren't born that way, I'm right, for sure. Um, it's gonna be harder for you. And you do have to put more of an effort into it where something else might be easier for you than it is for me, you know? So it's it's really like that place of acceptance of who you are and really studying yourself, you know, and really understanding who you are and appreciating it and seeing yourself as worthy and enough in every single day and in every single thing that you do consistently and you're building up your confidence and you're putting something in the bucket, you know, um, you know, one thing about working out, which I so love, you know, and I have, you know, I have four kids, like I said, and I'm so thankful because I've always modeled to them over the years, health and fitness and right. Yeah. Me too. Um, Yeah. And and they all prescribe to it at some level. It's, It's so fascinating. But one one of my sons, my second oldest son, he's in like really amazing shape and he works out and he's like buff and whatever. (laughs) But it was so cute because he came home over the summer and he said to me, like we were talking about it. And he said to me, I feel so good about myself. Nice. Like I like, and he, and he's like in front of the mirror flexing and, you know, another person would be like, why are you, you know, why are you flexing? You know, like what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I love that you're that you're so proud of yourself. Like this is so cool. St- stand in front of the mirror all day if you want to. Be my guest, you know. <laughs> but I was like, doesn't it make you when you look at your body and you know you put effort into it? For sure, that's exactly like, what I was thinking right there. Don't you feel so good about yourself? Exactly. Like yeah. day in and day out. Yeah, it's a whole new, maybe a whole new confidence. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say that, you know, you yes. put your shoulders back, just like your son was saying. You, and you, and it's just like you said, you put this much work into something. It's like one of the only things that you can see the results and what you're getting out of it to a certain degree. And it doesn't have to be physical. I mean, not only, I mean, I have mental, um, what's the word of my benefits from it that just like, you know, I love getting there and working out. It clears my mind. It helps my mind go at ease. And that, you know, and being, you know, I, I used to be one of these people that who avoided hard stuff, you know, like even growing up and, Mm-hmm. high school and even college you know like you know i took pe as my bachelor's and you know it's just and that you know I, for some reason i just thought it was i don't know at the time i thought it would be good for me and it was but i was like even though that's all the lesson plans i had to do and stuff like that i would do it the easiest way i could you know no matter what and until one of these things that went in my head i don't know what happened but i said hey i gotta start you know going down the hard road sometimes and you know if, if i want to be at the top of my game if i want to reach certain levels that mm-hmm. you know, this is what you got to do. You got to avoid, you got to get yourself out of that comfort zone and be in the, right. yeah. And then you get your mind out of this whole, you know, habit that you're in. And, and like, you know, and I used to think routines were weird and that for, for, you know, I guess I had Peter Pan syndrome, right. That, uh-huh. you know, they for grownups, I don't need a routine, but I, I heard a good quote once that, you know, great athletes are governed by routine. And that meant so much to me. And that changed a whole lot wow. of the way. Like as far as self-discipline and, you know, now I'm training for a half marathon. It's like, you know, it's like, well, I can't just go out there and run it. I want to actually train for it and do well. Yeah. So it's, it's so interesting you say that because I have a Michael Jordan quote in my book. So he he talks a lot about failure Mm -hmm. and the quote, you know, without quoting it, because I can't remember it, but it was a pretty long quote, but he talks about like every time he failed, that that is what helped him to succeed. Yeah. Right. Because it's all about, and I always, I always say this. Do you think like a professional athlete, you know, do they, you know, they practice for many hours, don't they? Sure. 
do you think when they reach that status, like as being professional and they're like in the best shape of their life, they say, oh, I'm good. I don't need to practice. I'm good. No. Yeah. Like just some of them might, but there's that's where you find out the difference in like, yeah. Yeah. Right. So like, like we, what, just because we reach in a certain plateau or like, like, you know, a summit or a peak, that doesn't mean we just stop. Like we keep going, we keep going and going, going, whether it's to maintain or whether it's to like enhance and grow and move beyond. Yeah. There's never an ending point. You know, there's never, ever an ending point to our growth. I agree. So that's like physical, mental, emotional, you know, in every single way, like there's, it's endless. You know, it could be growing forever. Well, we should be growing forever. <laughs> no, I've, I've had a couple or well, not a couple more than a couple humbling experiences, you know, through my CrossFit competitions that I do and stuff. And I actually learned that, you know, oh, there's levels to this and that, you know, and that, you know, gives me some motivation and it makes me want to, you know, like, hey, you know, what is that person doing compared to that I'm not doing? And, and then that's when I started learning, okay, that's why they're mm-hmm. at this level and I'm only at this level. You know, how do I get to that? And, mm-hmm. you know, and some people... I guess, you know, kind of what we were talking about earlier would instantly just say like, oh, well, I'll never be that or I can never do that. But, you know, I mean, you know, I, and then, then there might be an argument, does hard work beat talent, you know, and like, eh, well, you know, I guess we can argue that a bunch of different ways. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a matter of just that, you know, if you really want to do something that, hey, you know, block out all the mechanisms, you know, screw mm-hmm. all the haters. You know, I know your mind like will try to tell you not to do something, but you just got to get in there and if you really want something out of it, that mm-hmm. do it. And just like you said, that you know, when you see the results that what you did on your own, that that's so satisfying. You know, you see those results. Yeah. And I don't, don't want to say it becomes an addiction, but you're just like, man, this is what it's about. But it feels good, like you can if you could connect to that, you know, on a real deep visceral level. And and I think you know, I'm going to say it's noticing it though. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. Yeah, because we do things all day long that are worthy of noticing. Mm-hmm. And we don't pay attention to it. I think that's the point, you know, and I, I find personally, you know, like just the story that I was just telling you before about like giving permission to this you know, like young girl and and giving her a space, you know, to kind of, you know, be safe and communicate. And I even said to her, like, I even said to her, like, you may not talk about like what's going on for you anywhere in your life, you know, with your friends, with your parents, you know, with your mom, with whatever. But like here, this is a safe space and you could say whatever you want or not say anything at all. And both are cool with me, you know, but like I, I, after the session and before I got on with you, I literally took a minute and I sat here and I closed my eyes and I, I took that in, you know, because it was such a deep connected experience for me. And I felt like I shared something with her. I gave her a gift that she that she could walk away with. But I, I also wanted to acknowledge that for myself. You should, I agree. And that connection. But but these things happen all the time. That's what I'm saying. Right? Whether it's like, and smi- you- whether it's smiling at somebody, you know, who had a rough day, mm-hmm. or whether it's holding the door open for somebody, or whether it's calling a friend, you know, in need, or again, there's so many things we do every moment of every day that we don't pay attention to that contribute to our self-confidence yeah. and it just kind of goes over our head. Yeah, no, I agree. That's, I'm glad you put it that way because, you know, I always say that I'm living off momentum and again, going back to COVID that it's kind of when things came to a halt for me, I was like, Hey, let me reevaluate some things. Let me see how life is, you know, like, am I really doing what I want to do? Yeah. You know, what are my goals? You know, what are we doing here? But 
you know, to your point, like right there, that's that so many things like that go. And I don't even notice them until like somebody will either say something or like, well, thanks for saying that. And then Mm -hmm. or like, you know, or if you hold a door open for somebody or whatever, it's just because I even notice that, too, you know, when uh, like if I'm walking across the street or like I'm walking in right before or right after somebody, I'm like, they didn't even hold the door open. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's just like, yeah, you know, like I guess because life is going by so fast and you have so many other different things you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. You don't really stop and smell the roses. I know it's kind of a cliche thought, but yeah, no, it is. You know, it's so funny. Like whenever, you know, you know, you're walking around and people are trying to take pictures, right? So one person is always out of the picture because somebody has to be taking the picture. Yeah, sure. But I'm always the person that I'll go over. I literally like I will go over and I'll say, do you want to be in the picture? I'm happy to take the picture. Yes. I, always. I really do because I'm so conscious of that, you know, like, yeah. but, and people are, I can't even tell you. It's like, I just gave them like, I don't know, an award or something when I say that. Like, they're like so shocked, you know? They're like, that's so nice. Like, thank you so much, you know? But but those things, again, fill my bucket. Mm. Where I could then say to myself, I am thoughtful. I am caring. I am considerate. I am aware. I'm compassionate. And I say that when when there are moments that I put myself in those positions, I acknowledge it. I put it out there. Good. And and not in a way to like glorify myself because that's not really about it. It's more about like, I want to feel this so I do more of it because yeah. that's that's who I want to be. That's like how I want to represent myself. I love that. Yes. And well, okay. Dr. Michelle, I think we should, I want to be respectful for your time. So yeah, I think we should thank you. So could I, I show you my new book? Yeah, I was going to say, if you want to plug your book, if you want to plug anything, if people want to find you. So this is my new book. It's called Ace Your Life unleash your best self and live the life you want. And it's predicated on the pillars of acceptance, compassion, and empowerment. Okay. So if, if you want the skills and tools that we're talking about, okay, to really cultivate this in your life, this is the book to help you do it. Okay. It's coming out on September 20th. I don't know when this is going to air. Um, and you could get it on any, you know, bookstores like Barnes and Noble, Amazon, you know, thrift stores, Walmart, Etc. Um, and then my website, you know, is Michelle Maidenberg, which is my name. Michelle is two L's. Maidenberg is M-A-I-D-E-N-B-E-R-G um, dot com if you want to find me. And I'm on all social media, you know, the typical ones. So and I also do YouTube videos. I do a guided meditations as well. Nice. Yeah. Well, thank you. This was awesome. Yeah, it was so nice meeting you. And thank you for having me on. Very welcome. And yeah, down the road, maybe we'll do it again or something. Okay, nice to meet you, Chris. Okay, bye, folks. We're out of here. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 